Good morning, everybody. It is February 6th. I almost said January. It is February 6th, 2022. This is Man Coverage with Knoxville Nate and Mr. James Bonneville. We have a lot to talk about. I realize college football is over. However, it never ends, which is the beauty for us. Good morning, Mr. James. How are you doing today, sir? And it better be a crime. You know, we just ended the second season of football and uh, recruiting, and now we're moving to the third season of football, which is spring football. So it's let's ready to go and let's keep it rolling. Let's get yeah, that first we've, down. Got, we've got a lot to get to today with recruiting, with the portal, uh, with National Signing Day, with obviously the Senior Bowl going down yesterday. We've got a lot to break down with that. But I think the first thing that we've got to address is the fiasco going on down on the plains. Um, you know, let's let's just for our listeners and our viewers, let's just discuss basically what's gone down. They ended the season uh, two seasons ago. Gus Malzahn, you know, had a decent year when they went eight, eight, nine games. The powers that be didn't want him around anymore. He had a $21.5 million buyout. They didn't care. They they fired him. They they wanted to install uh, their defensive coordinator, Kevin Steele, as the head coach. They placed him as the interim tag. But the athletic director, uh, Mr. Green, and the president didn't want to do that. And so they went out and did a coaching search, much to the chagrin of the boosters the alumni, and so on and so on. And they went out and hired Boise State's Brian Harson, And um, he went six and seven. And since, it, it, you know, and the season, honestly, which is sad, is the season hasn't been as, or wasn't as bad as the postseason. Since the final game, they've lost 20 players. They've lost five coaches. Uh, we Derek Mason left the program. The defensive coordinator went to Oklahoma State. Uh, Mike Bobo, their offensive coordinator, was fired. Um, Austin Davis was hired uh, from the NFL to be the offensive coordinator. He resigned six days later. Uh, their defensive line coach, Nick Eason, resigned and went to Clemson. Uh, during the season, they fired their uh um, wide receivers coach Cornelius Williams. Uh, so basically, that's five coaches, 20 players gone. It's a mess. What's your thoughts on on what the hell is going on down there, James? Hey, it, well, I, you know, it, it's funny. When this hire happened, I questioned it from a culture standpoint. I mean, yeah, Brian Harson had a spell at Arkansas State. Absolutely. But he's not a, a Southern guy. You know, he doesn't understand Southern recruiting and the culture that's in the SEC and specifically at Auburn. Because I, I think when, when people look at coaches, you know, when they get hired, they instantly think of, you know, plug and play. Yeah. But the school culture and the coaches culture got to match. Otherwise, you got a storm on your hands and it's just not going to work out. I mean, quite frankly, when the Washington job opened up, I mean, we, you know, Harson's got relationships with Peterson and Peterson's still very connected in Washington. I really thought he was going to leave and Auburn was just going to kind of like wash their hands and say, let's move on. Uh, that did not happen. Now, I, I don't know if they're going to fire him this year just because it's that awkward time period, because then Auburn's really got to overpay for somebody. And who's going to want to grab a job? after signing period unless you're going to really bulk up after spring practice transfers and i mean they, they could do it and I, there's some names in the back of my head who i think would be a great fit one of which would be a fantastic fit who's done these type of rebuild jobs but what are your thoughts nate i think he's done i think these people never wanted him to be the coach i think they're having meetings right now in fact i know they are having meetings right now discussing uh getting him out of there and um i just don't see how you come back from this i mean what, what are they going to do uh go 12 and 0 next year and then everything's fine i mean that's not going to happen now uh, they they weren't in a good spot before all the turmoil and now you know players have come out and said they don't like him uh that he's an asshole uh, that the treatment of players has come under question. 
Uh, some of his coaching philosophies have come under, come under question. And I think there's a big, big push uh, to get him out of here. And, and my, and do I think they should? No. But I think at this point you kind of have to because what are you going to do? You're going to bring this guy back and then have this in the back of your uh, mind all all throughout the season? I mean, they're already down. Uh, Bo Nix is gone. Is he the greatest quarterback in the world? No. But he did start there for, what, four or 15 years. So he was a veteran. He's gone. They don't really have anybody behind him except for Finley. Well, so, Zach Calzada. But, I mean, yeah. how much do you buy in Zach Calzada? I know I don't. I, I, I like Finley better than Calzada, which is not yeah. a, uh, a big endorsement of Finley. But I, I think they're in big trouble. I, I've heard the name Chadwell thrown around, uh, that they could potentially go out and get Chadwell and bring him in, um, you know, go out and get the coach from Coastal Carolina. And, uh, you know, whether or not he would leave at this point, I don't know. But I think they're going to try and make it happen now. $21.5 million to get rid of Malzahn. Some of that's being paid for by UCF, not all yep. of it. To get rid of Harson at this point is $18.3 million. Does the money matter, James? Well, I mean, at this point, I mean, it, it, you know, you're kind of screwed if you do and you're screwed if you don't. Because, sure, it's a lot of money, and it is. I mean, let's be honest. The normal humdrum fan ain't going to be ponying up for this buyout. But with the addition of Texas and Oklahoma, what does the new SEC look like from a divisional standpoint? I mean, I have seen some recommendations of moving Auburn and Alabama to the east and have Texas, Oklahoma, and Missouri play in the west. And, yeah, that could probably benefit both of those teams really well, but you don't know. And, quite frankly, you got to live in a year-to-year -year environment. And I think i got a better name for you, actually two, that are better than Jamie Chadwell. And I love Jamie Chadwell. First and foremost, Matt Rule. I think the NFL experiment is just not working because I don't think he's a really a true X's and O's guy. You know, I, I think he's a, a CEO type, which has become the du jour of college coaching. And he did a fantastic job in rebuilding and retooling Baylor very quickly after the Bryles debacle. And I, I think he could come into Auburn and really set a culture that could really get back to the Pat Dye era of what they were. And another name, which is kind of a the in vogue uh, offensive coordinator, is Rhett, Rhett Lashley. I mean, look at where he what he has done everywhere he's been. I mean, especially this year at Miami with with uh, Tyler Van Dyke. I yeah. mean, they, they, their offense looks infinitely better than it did before. And I, I, I mean, I, I, I think he's a good fit. And I, I like, um, I love both those guys. I just don't know if either one of those guys will take the job right now. Yeah. I mean, I mean um, Matt Rule, as much as I thought he would get fired and as much as I thought he would be done in Carolina, um, you know, they didn't fire him. And for whatever reason, they're, they're bringing him back, I guess, because He's got so much G-Jack, so much guaranteed money uh, in his contract. So, they're, you know, they signed him to a seven-year, $70 million deal when they hired yeah. him in Carolina, which I thought was ridiculous at the time. And I'm a Matt Rule fan, uh, college Matt Rule fan. Um, so, I don't know. But I, I just think he's going to stay at Carolina for this year. Um, I think he's going to get fired at the end of the year because they have no – uh, plans at quarterback, and they have no uh, real superstars to fix all their issues. So I think they're in big trouble, but we'll see what happens. Uh, it's going to be interesting to figure out. Apparently, Harson's out of the country, which I think makes this all even worse. Oh, because yeah. Because they're, they're meeting, discussing his future, and he's nowhere to be seen. Yeah. And um, he's fired back some uh, responses. I think he did an interview uh, with ESPN and said all this stuff is false. He said that I'm a uh, the, the, none of this stuff is true. And you know what? It doesn't matter if it's true or not. At this point, it's out there. At this point, it's been said you're guilty under the public opinion. And, uh, you know, I think you're almost better not saying anything right now um, instead of trying to rush to defend yourself. I think it it almost looks bad uh, doing that. But, you know. Well, I, I can guarantee you SMU fans are cringing when I brought up Brett Lashley's name because they're instantly thinking about what happened with Manny Diaz being the head coach at Temple for what? 
a couple weeks. Yeah. And then he went back to Miami. I mean, but Auburn's desperate, and I think they're going to have to pay through the nose, kind of like Michigan State did after D'Antonio left. Yeah, I think so too. I think they're going to have to. Um, they're going to have to. You know, money's going to have to be no object. I mean, yeah. that's just a fact. They're going to have to pay Harson to get the hell out of there, and then they're going to have to overpay uh, to get someone to come in there because not only is this a disaster, but we're already past. Um, National Signing Day, one and two. We're already past uh, recruiting. We're already past all the transfer portal players are pretty much gone. Well, so I mean, else? you still got spring ball. I mean, there's going to be those guys that are going to leave after spring ball when they realize they lost their position. But that's true. I mean, it's, that's it's true. not going to be the one with class. Most of the big names are yeah. locked up. Yep. I mean, that's that's my only point. Most of the bigger names are, uh, are locked up. And, you know, it's just not the best timing. Uh, for all this to go down, in my opinion, for them. But Absolutely. I hate Auburn, so I'm kind of glad, and I'm kind of <laughs> happy. And uh, I hope it gets worse before it gets better, and I hope they go 0-12. So that's what I think about that. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens, but I, I don't see him – I don't see the point in keeping him on. I mean, this has already gone down. The coaches have already left. The players have already left. What are you going to do? Come out and release a statement that we're behind him 100%. Everyone's going to know that that's BS. Yeah. And they're not going to buy that. So I, I don't I don't see the point in doing that. Agreed. Agreed. We'll, we'll figure it out. Um, it is a fiasco and it's fun talking about because I love to hate the Auburn Tigers. Well, it's the drama of the offseason. I mean, let's be honest. I think, you know, quite frankly, Scott Frost has got to be pretty happy right now that he's not a number one King of the Hill guy that's on the chopping block. So, I mean, someone's talking about someone else right now. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's who I, I can't believe he survived. I mean, let's be honest. If Scott Frost wasn't a national championship winning quarterback at Nebraska, does he still have his job there right now? I think he's a cat. Quite frankly, the guy's got more lives than the cat right now. I mean, yeah. it, 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 it. I think Trev Alberts being the AD there probably helps out because they've got a relationship. But heck, I mean, he, why does he bring his mom back as his offensive coordinator? Because that was his offensive coordinator in high school. I mean, he's just running through guys left and right. And I look at their roster right now, and I, I don't see it. Sure, they brought in a ton of uh, grad transfers and transfers, but. I, I just don't see it. I, I don't see them finishing any higher than fifth, maybe sixth in the Big Ten West. Yeah, I don't either. And Martinez is gone. And, um, you know, what do you think about them at quarterback? I mean, they've – Martinez I didn't think was their problem. No. I mean, uh, Graham, Martinez had some issues, but their offensive line did no help for him because whenever he got pressure – he started floating the ball over the middle, and that's when the picks began. I mean, his strength is his running game. They should have RPO'd him a lot better and get him to the outside and bring those safeties up, and I think he could have helped him out a lot more. But, I mean, I, I, him going to Kansas State, working with Colin Klein, I think is a godsend. But Caleb Thompson, I mean, and Chuba Purdy, I, I, I mean, who wins that battle? I don't know, but they're not going to be better than fourth in the big 10 West. I mean, mark it down now. I, I just don't see anybody. I mean, you know, they're not, they're not that good of a team and you got people out there saying top 25. And I'm like, if there, unless there's a different roster than I'm looking at, that ain't possible. No, I don't think so either. So we'll see, but I do think some teams have helped themselves uh, this past week. I mean, absolutely. Let's talk, let's talk a little bit about the transfer portal first. Uh, let's be honest. Everyone's, you know, pretty much been sitting on pins and needles or pins and needles, excuse me, waiting to see uh, where this guy was going. We wanted to know what was going to happen with the number one overall player in the portal. That is Caleb Williams. Uh, he is going to USC. He's following his coach. I think we all kind of thought that would happen. I think there were some smoke screens thrown up uh, that he was potentially going elsewhere. I know we thought that he might follow his girl. Uh, we, we thought he may go to UCLA. We thought he might go to, there were some rumors he was going to Wisconsin, which I never believed. Um, but you know, he's going to, uh, USC and, uh, he's following Lincoln Riley and, uh, we'll see what happens. Is this, is this, is him going with coach? Is that enough to put USC in the driver's seat in the PAC 12? 
Well, I, I don't think in 22 that's possible. I mean, they just don't have enough players. But you look at that 22, a uh, 23 recruiting class. I, I, I'm not gonna lie, Lincoln Riley's built something there. Um, there is some serious talent coming in very shortly, and if he follows that Pete Carroll model of locking down Southern California and use about four or five, six scholarships to, to really focus on some high-profile talent nationwide. I think realistically, you could make an argument that 2024, 2025, SC better be playing in the college football playoff. Otherwise, the Lincoln-Riley experiment could have been a failure. Now, do I think they're going to fire him? No. But, I mean, the shot clock is on for Lincoln-Riley. I mean, they're, they've got – I mean, USC has got receivers, no questions asked. But they got to strengthen that line of scrimmage play and on both sides of the ball if they're going to really take it to the next level. But Caleb Williams is a special talent, and – I mean, it, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a war because he wants to be one one in the next year's draft. And you got Bryce Young, you got C.J. Stroud. That's a tough order to, to haul, but we will see because Lincoln Riley has done more with other quarterbacks than anybody I've ever seen. Yeah, no, I mean he's worked wonders. I mean, look at the track record as of late. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, anyone that doesn't think this is truly amazing is is kidding themselves. Baker yeah. Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts. Um, you know, the Spencer Rattler experiment didn't really go as planned, but it's not like he was awful. It's just that Caleb Williams was better. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. that's what it came down to. I mean, I, I didn't think that Spencer Rattler was horrible. Uh, he was actually winning games. It's just they weren't winning in their customary, you know, 40, 50-point blowout fashion. Yeah. And that's why, um, you know, that's why he lost his starting job. That's why Caleb Williams was inserted at the start as the starter. And to be honest, if Caleb Williams has been starting from the beginning, he probably wins the Heisman Trophy as a freshman. Yeah. No, I, I agree. But, I mean, the, the one thing that people don't put into consideration on Spencer Rattler, and I'm not as big a Spencer Rattler fan as some people are, but there was a statistic I heard by Pro Football Focus talking about his pressure rate was at least, was it three quarters of a second quicker than what you saw under Murray and under Hertz and under uh, Mayfield. And I'm sorry, three quarters of a second in football is a lot of time. And if you're getting that much pressure that quickly, you're going to unload much faster. And that's why you didn't see them going as deep last year when he was in there. And because he's not as mobile as Caleb Williams, plain and no. simple. I mean, he's not no. Kyler Murray, who is incredibly fast. So I think him going to South Carolina is going to be a good fit for him. I mean, what does that mean for South Carolina? I don't know, but I, I, I think this is a good move for both programs as a whole. Oh, I do too. I mean, let's be honest. Um, you know, that was a home run for Coach Beamer in South Carolina. Getting yeah. Spencer Rattler, a guy that has already played, a guy that was the number one recruit in the nation out of Arizona, by the way, yep. James. Yeah. Uh, we left that one out the other day. Arizona's putting out some big time talent. Uh, that guy, Rattler, whether or not, you know, he was as good as advertised, he's still a good starting quarterback in this league. And hell, South Carolina won seven games last year with a graduate assistant out there playing quarterback. Half exactly. The time. Exactly. So you put uh, you put Spencer Rattler on the Gamecocks roster, and you're talking nine, potentially ten wins coming out of the East. And uh, do I do I say they win the East? I don't know about that. I don't think they can overtake Georgia at this point, but I definitely think they can contend with Kentucky, with Tennessee, with Florida and potentially be the second best team in the East in the SEC. What do you think? I think that's a little early to say that quite yet because I just don't think they have the Jimmies and the Joes to pull that off. But I definitely see an upgrade for them. I mean, one thing that just kind of popped in my head, I think, and this was announced before Spencer Rattler even went to South Carolina, is Jeff Lebby being the new OC at Oklahoma. And yeah. let's be honest, would have been even worse for him to have stayed because I, yeah. I don't think he fits a Jeff Levy type of offense unless they don't want him to run. I mean, and they, they're yeah. going to completely take that out. And Levy likes his running quarterbacks to run the ball. I mean, yeah. Matt, Look Cor at Matt Corral last yeah. year versus Tennessee running the ball 40 plus times. Yeah. He's not afraid to run those guys. And, and Spencer Rattler doesn't want to run. 
I, I mean, that's why I think them getting Dylan Gabriel, I mean, not only does he know the offense, but it just really fits as a whole. So, I yeah. mean, I think it was a very intelligent, mature move for Spencer Rattler to move on to a system that better fits him. So, Yeah, I agree. And then, um, you know, with Caleb Williams coming in, we got to talk about the guys going out. Yep. So, you know, Lane Kiffin complains, bitches and moans and whines about the portal and about the uh, NIL and claims that it's all just a big uh, free agency right now. And then he goes out and uses the portal to get the second best portal class of any team. And he pulls in, you know, Dart and Trig from USC and, and um, you know, uses some of his uh, West Coast connections to go out there and get Jackson Dart to get Trig. And, um, you know, now they don't have to put, um, you know, their Altmeyer out there and see if he's ready to go. They can put Jackson Dart out there, who I know can play. I mean, just look at these highlights. This guy can sling the ball. I mean, yeah. I know USC wasn't great last year, but I mean, they were, they fired their coach after game two. Uh, it was kind of like a lost season, in my opinion. But this guy did nothing but help himself and uh, improve his stock as the season went on. And taking his his big tight end trig with him uh, to Ole Miss, I think is going to be huge uh, for the Rebels. What what do you think this does for Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss? Uh, well, I, obviously, it helps out their quarterback situation a ton. I mean, Luke Altmaier, I think, is going to be a good talent, but he needed work, and that showed in the bowl game. And he wasn't Jackson, ready. No, he wasn't ready at all. And and and, and honestly, I, I think Jackson Dart is really going to learn a lot from the uh, Lane Kiffin mindset and get on that lane train because he, he's almost become the new Steve Clarkson of the world. He's a quarterback whisperer. Yeah. And I think he could do a lot to calm down Jackson Dart's playing ability because he's a little wild when he plays like he is all over the place and he showed his freshman capabilities last year i mean sure there are a lot of games he really threw up some stuff but then he would do some really dumb things that freshmen do but i I think he could really calm that down but i mean heck you look at the rest of that class i mean it's fantastic i mean ivy triggs i mean there was a lot that lane kiffin could hang his hat on and really say you know, as much as he was making fun of the portal king in uh, in uh, Brian Kelly, I mean, he quietly put together an incredible roster for next year. And I, I, I honestly, I'm looking at them right now, and I think you got to put them third in the SEC East, smart walking into next year. And that's strictly because the one and two are just that darn good. And the SEC West? Yeah, SEC West. Excuse yeah. me. No, no, I uh, I agree with you. I uh, I like Jackson Dart. The more film I watched on him this weekend, the more I liked him. Yeah, I I felt like defense and the you know the line of scrimmage was really the biggest problem that USC had. I mean, watch this guy throw the football. Him throwing the ball was not the reason, um, you know, that they had the record they had. Well, him, I mean, their receiving core is insane. And you yeah, know, Drake, uh, that, London, I think, is one of the best receivers I've ever seen. Yeah, uh, come out of there. I mean, name me a time when USC, even in their worst of times, didn't have some crackpot receivers sitting out there on the sides. I mean, they they just, I mean, you know, yeah. the sun rises in the east, sets in the west, and USC's got receivers. I mean, you can just put it in the bank. Their receiving core is nasty. Actually, that's what I thought about more. I mean, I loved the film I saw in Jackson Dart, but. When I saw Trigg, when I saw uh, Washington, when I saw Greg Bryant Jr., when I saw Drake London, um, I was like, damn, they've got, you know, two or three NFL receivers on that roster Yeah, uh, to go along with this quarterback who's pretty damn good. I mean, I, I understand now. I guess I kind of understand more now why uh, the coach was fired because they should have won. Uh, more games with, with this with this talent that they possess. Absolutely. 100%. I mean, they just – the, the USC's line of scrimmage play, you go back to the Pete Carroll or John Robinson days, that's where they work. And if you give their quarterback time, they're going to pick you apart because they're just at a, they recruit at a different level than everybody else in the Pac-12. Yeah, I agree. And we'll see what happens uh, with that. But I definitely think Old Miss and, um, you know, as well as USC have both helped themselves uh, with the portal. And uh, we're going to talk about recruiting in just one second. However, we need to discuss some breaking news because this makes me happy. 
you know, we found out that old Jimmy Hairball uh, really wanted to go back <laughs> to the uh, to the NFL. He wanted to use this freak activity of a decent season that that team up north possessed this year in Michigan. Uh, you know, they had a they had a good season. I mean, let's be honest, they had what seven or eight fifth and sixth year guys, uh, mainly on the offensive and defensive lines that were, you know, because of the COVID year, allowed to stay for 10 years. And it really helped them win some games. But it seems like a free-for-all after the year. I mean, McDonald has already left and gone to the Ravens to be their defensive coordinator. And uh, now we learned today, 47 minutes ago, that the offensive coordinator, Josh Gaddis, is wow. again. He's accepting the offensive coordinator job at the U, not – Minnesota, but Miami, and uh, he's gone. So here we are sitting on February 6, 2022, and Michigan has lost both their coordinators. Their head coach was begging for an NFL job and had to go running back to Ann Arbor with his tail between his legs when nobody offered him a job. What's going on? in ann arbor james and did you right. see this did you see this coming i did not leaving i did not honestly i didn't either okay i don't have any inside information this is me just spitballing here but i got the gut feeling now by seeing this that josh gaddis that think they had a side deal that harbo was going to take the job with the vikings which honestly i did not want to see happen at all after what I saw happen at San Francisco, he would have been with a new GM at Minnesota. It would have been a train wreck. And I think that Josh Gaddis was the coach waiting there at Michigan up in Ann Arbor to be the next head coach. And once he realized he wasn't going to get it, he was looking out. And Miami, I got to take my hat off to Mario Cristobal because I know he was having a hard time looking for an OC and bringing in Josh Gaddis. This is a home run hire for the U. I, I agree. I mean, Cristobal is is making moves down there. I mean, he's bringing yeah. in players. Um, you know, he's he's not only getting uh, talent, but he's also now really, really uh, killing it with his coaching staff. And uh, I'm very impressed with him and what he's done in a short amount of time uh, down in Miami. And I think, you know, Gaddis proved last year that he can play call. He proved, in my opinion – that he can put together game plans and not even with superior uh, talent. And so I think that, um, I think that this is a good move for Miami. I think that, um, you know, he's got something to work with, with Tyler Van Dyke and some of the weapons that they've recruited and also signed off the portal. And I think that Miami's going to take a step forward uh, in the ACC because they finally have some real leadership in Mario Cristobal. Yeah, I mean, this is – I'm waiting to see who Cristobal hires as their offensive line coach, and the guy's name is escaping me right now, which is his personal friend down in um, – uh, what's his name? He was his personal friend growing up in, in Florida who was his O-line coach out at, uh, at uh, Oregon. Um, I cannot remember the guy's name. If he could bring him back – with him this could be really interesting because that guy was pumping out offensive linemen like nobody's business and honestly i think that would be you bring him in that offense i mean that coaching staff is gonna be sick absolutely and utterly sick i agree and it looks like we've got curtis grant on the line right now i'm gonna pop him on let's see curtis can you hear us Hey, how's it going today, Curtis? It's going pretty good. Just sitting there trucking on uh, I-81 North, headed up to PA. Nice. 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 Well, we appreciate you uh, joining us, even though you're on the road. Uh, we were just talking a little bit about uh, the recruiting that went down. And, uh, you know, we remember, uh, you know, you're one of my favorite players of all time. So I remember uh, them signing you on signing day to uh, out of Virginia to play for Ohio State. We just wanted to get your uh, your thoughts and your memories about uh, signing day and, and the reasons you chose uh, to go to the great Ohio State University. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, back then, I mean, it was a lot of fun. Recruiting was a lot 
a lot of fun for me just knowing the fact we got to travel and meet a lot of different people and meet a lot of the players. And um, I chose Ohio State because of Coach Tress and Coach Fickle. And um, Ohio reminded me, uh, Columbus reminded me of Richmond, but uh, on a bigger scale. It's a little bit more faster paced, a um, little bit bigger area. Um, and uh, it was just a, once I, I always wanted to play in front of a big crowd. So I, I, I chose my, 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 my top schools were basically if we could win a national championship and playing in front of a lot of people. Hey, Curtis, this is James Bonneville. Hey, uh, question for you. I know, you know, coming out of culture you had working with Coach Kane at Her Hermitage, um, was, first of all, was Coach Johnson your first recruiter at Ohio State? And, you know, was it tough being from Virginia not to go to UVA? Because I know they were one of your finalists going down the pike. I mean, what, what was your thought process and get it going into that whole thing? Uh... Which, when you say Coach Johnson, which coach are you talking about? Taylor Larry Johnson. Johnson. Larry Johnson. Well, Larry Johnson, when, when, he wasn't even thought of when I was there. Okay. Uh, Larry Johnson was, uh, he came Oh, that's right. He was, still at, yeah, he was still yeah, at, yeah, he was still at Penn State. Right. Yeah, he was still at Penn State. Um, it was more so of, actually, what was, was the it, question again? I'm sorry. Yeah, was it tough? I mean, being from Virginia, and playing at Hermitage for Coach Kane, was it tough not going to Virginia? I mean, I understand your thought process and playing on that big stage and playing for a natty, but was it tough to leave your home state in, 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 you know, in, in that respect too as well? Yeah, I mean, at, at one point it was just due to the fact that that's all I knew. So when, I, yeah. when they started recruiting me, it was like, oh, okay, this place is cool, you know. And being from Virginia, I didn't understand the recruiting process. Nobody ever explained it to me. So when uh when I got the office from Virginia and Virginia Tech, I went there first, and uh, it was like, oh, this place is nice. This place is nice. But then when you start going to your Alabamas, your Georgias, your uh, Ohio States, uh, places like that, even I went to USC, and you start seeing uh, you start seeing okay, like this is a this is a whole another ball game. But then you look yeah. at where can you win at? I mean. My thing was I wanted to win a national championship. So at that time, I didn't think, you know, Virginia or Virginia Tech could provide me with that. Not saying they were bad schools. It was just that, yeah. you know, during that time, I was like, this is where I think it's going to be a good fit and we can win. Yeah. No, and it definitely worked out. That that 2014 season, you know, was something of, of magic and everything, uh, you know, ended up working out. You guys – uh, just really killed it in the college football playoff, you know, taking down Bama and then uh, beating Oregon in the national championship. Just tell us what it was like, uh, Curtis, and your memories of playing in the college football playoff and what it was like for you uh, to live that dream and win a national championship. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was pretty fun, to be honest with you guys. It was just like uh, we had the opportunity as a team to get closer together, um, just, a, just having a lot of time to prepare and then, you know, really get to know, really, really see everybody step up because, you know, during the season, it's, it's more so, yeah, you got your starters playing and maybe, maybe one or two people might get in for extra playing time and get some reps. But when you have all that time to prepare, you get to see some of the young guys flourish and, and, and then, you know, they get the opportunity to get in and, uh, you know, play on special teams to relieve some of the guys that, you know, do a lot of playing on offense and defense. So, I mean, that was always a big plus, you know, for the playoffs. And we got time to get healthy and, you know, get to know some of your teammates a lot better. And so, you know, it was a grind because uh, Coach Meyer, you know, had us in there. You know, we was getting ready to play Bama. We was practicing their stuff. And we was doing a lot of film watching. And, you know, when it came down to the playoff times, you know, uh, our captains, we made a decision to uh, – you know, cut out, you know, after certain, you know, certain times of being uh, at those places in New Orleans or if it was Dallas, you know, not a lot, not a lot of free time and going out. It was more so hanging out with your teammates because, you know, as a senior class, we wanted to win the thing, you know. Definitely, definitely. Hey, after the 2014 Virginia Tech game, when you guys lost, I mean, one of the things I keep going back to is not only your ability, but 
really I think something a lot of people don't know is just your leadership qualities, which you obviously took into your professional life as, uh, you know, with your work on uh, as president of, uh, was it Buckeye Freight and Logistics? Yeah, you Buckeye know, Freight Express. Yeah, that's my. Yeah, uh, Freight Express. Company. Yep. Yeah. What, what, what was it like in the locker room after the game? for you guys to come together and pull this all together. I mean, I, I, I think the, the, the it's really underrated your leadership capabilities and what you and the other teammates did that really capped that season off after that really tough loss at the beginning of the year. Uh, you know, when you take a loss, it's really not like a loss. The way we look at it is uh, as players anymore, uh, we were trained to always look at it as a, as a learning lesson. And so what I mean by that is you go back and see where you had your mistakes at and then you correct them. So for us, we just we went back, learned, learned what we needed to learn. Offense, learn how to go against a, a bare front at that time and learn that, that a lot of people is going to play us, man, and do different things. So that also gave the, the, the coaches to open up their minds and see, like, OK, maybe we could use this this type of scheme this week, because at this point we didn't see everything thrown at us. And so, you know, as, as, as captains, um, there wasn't no more playtime. I mean, we it, it wasn't playtime in the sense of when it was time to work, we worked. And when it was time to have fun, we had fun. But we always made sure we were locked in and continue to make the game fun, even though we, we lost. But, you know, sometimes when you get too uptight about stuff and not looking at the big picture, like we looked at it as, okay, well, we still got another game to get better. And so that's what we did. We use we use each each game to become a, a new level of success until we got to the national championship. Yeah, no, and you guys you guys definitely did that. And and Curtis, something I wanted to ask you was, I mean, obviously playing at Ohio State, there's that pressure to win every game, and you know that to me, I think would be one of the hardest things, uh, you know, in playing at a at a big time school like that. Is, is the pressure to, you know, win every single ball game. And is that something that, you know, you guys had to deal with uh, throughout your career there? Uh, I, I didn't deal with it. Uh, and, look, I, I knew my guys that I was going to move with every weekend was going to be ready. So I, I never yeah. had to deal with depression. Maybe the coaches dealt with depression, but as a team, only time we I think we got to deal with pressure is when the game was close. And we started seeing people make mistakes that they usually don't make. That's yeah. the only time I think we really had pressure. But majority of the time, we went in the game, knew we was going. <laughs> and, and we lost. And if we was lost, we shocked like everybody else. Like, how we lose? Then we go back to the game. I'm just being honest. It sounds cocky, but the guys I played with, you got to look at. Most of the guys I played with that was on the team, they captains in the NFL with big contracts. Exactly. So what is that? What is that? What does that show about the recruiting? You know, and the guys that were recruited there were recruited by either my class or the class behind me. Yeah. So that tells you from those two years that they chose some great people to to put on that to put on the team to be able to, to keep the team going to keep that pipeline going. Yeah. You know what I mean? So Yeah, no, that there's yeah. no doubt. Yeah, we got you. Hey hey, um, I know there's okay. probably a lot of games you probably remember from your time at Ohio State, but one where I was personally at was the 2014 Snow Globe game against Minnesota, where it was snowing and cold outside. And I remember walking to my seats and seeing uh, Bucknut walking around, and he like literally looked like he was freezing himself to death. How how was it yeah. playing in that Snow Globe game? I mean, heck, I remember. Dilly Bar Dan having a Dilly Bar before the game and Urban Meyer walking by him and his eyes were like wide open like what in the heck did we just walk into? What what was it like to play in that game at Minnesota in 14? That was probably one of my worst games ever. Um, <laughs> just due to the fact, man, I was so cold. Like, I'm going to be honest, I ain't care how I graded out. <laughs> I was so cold. Like, it, was just, it was just to the point where it's like I lost all mental capacity to be locked in. There was nothing that anybody could tell me. I'm just being honest at this point. You know, I've graded out so bad. I mean, we won, but I graded out so bad. And just got to keep the team up. And everybody was just looking around like, man, these people crazy. I don't know what. <laughs> I mean, people out was... there with cutoffs. 
Oh, yeah. Know, like you said, no no shirts before the game. Like, Oh, yeah. I mean, at this point, I'm not even intimidated. I'm just like, bro, how stupid are you? I like at this point, I'm not even scared no more. <laughs> it's like for Minnesota, that wasn't even a cold. I mean, I, I could probably name like they were trying to say it was like blizzard conditions. I'm like, if this is a blizzard, I don't know what a blizzard. I mean, we must get like, you know, the apocalypse then. I mean, it was I, I felt so bad for some of those fans because it looked like they were like living in an igloo during that game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got to think about them teams up there. You, you, you got Wisconsin, you got Minnesota, that that. That, those are different types of cold. And I, I, and <laughs> I don't. If you don't, if you, it's some, that's something that you got to get used to. Like, yeah. You just have to get used to it. Yeah. And I was just telling. Like, I was like, bro, how crazy that you actually to actually like it was cool to go outside and some tights maybe and a cutoff. Like, yeah. <laughs> what was cool about that? Or oh, no shirt? Do you really start thinking like that? Don't do stuff like that no more. Not at all. Like, what was wrong? Like, what made you think that was cool back then? Like, <laughs> uh, there's no doubt. And that's crazy. But, I, I, hey, Curtis, I just wanted to get your, your feelings, man. I know you probably still uh, watch, you know, the Buckeyes and pay attention to them. Uh, and I just wanted to get your thoughts on this past season. Um, you know, with all the freshmen out there and all the young guys getting playing time, I was pretty impressed by the way this team came together and was able to, uh, you know, win that Rose Bowl championship. What were your thoughts? Oh, man, it was awesome. It started off a little shaky. Uh, I was just, I, I just didn't understand why some of the stuff was going on, what was going on. Uh, yeah. But just having those young guys get those reps, that was the most important thing, man, is just coming in and being able yeah. to compete because, uh, like you said, when, you, when you're a younger player, you're just trying to figure out where you fit in because you, you don't, like Coach Drake used to tell us, you don't know, you don't know. And yeah. what that statement basically is stating is that when you're coming in, you don't know nothing. <laughs> yeah. Whatever you learn yeah. in high school is cool. Whatever somebody tell you to do, you do it until you learn what's going on. So to see some of those freshmen step up and just play fearless is awesome, you know, as being an alum. Because I know it's not easy when you come in and, you know, you got a guard, uh, a, a two first-round picks receiver, or you got a running back over there that's supposed to be going uh, first three or four rounds. And, you know, with the talent level, you go in, you see these people crushing people all the time, and you got to go in there, you're like, well, I either got to crush him or he going to crush me, you know? So yeah, sometimes well, as a young guy, it's a lot of pressure, you know? Yeah. But, hey, once you get used to it and get a couple of reps, you get hit under the chin a couple of times, you just keep <laughs> getting back up, you'll be all right. Yeah. <laughs> to kind of follow up with that, you know, you know, as you get older and get more wisdom with age, yeah. what advice would you give to new coaches, new players coming in, just based on what you went through, that you could help them out moving forward? Uh, my biggest thing is, especially on the coaching piece, because um, I love coaching uh, and I love helping people, as you guys can tell. Uh, yeah. My thing is, a great leader know how knows how to reach everyone in the room. And I think a lot of times coaches get caught up in, uh, I don't know, I can't, in the recruiting process, sometimes I think get caught up in the media. I don't know what it is because I'm not in the room with them. Yeah. Or, or, or uh, taking the stress off, uh, taking the stress of, uh, of maybe another coach or something like that. Because, you know, they, they get in heated conversations and everybody, you know, uh, get into different things. But my thing about being a coach, and I always explain this to other people is when you, when you tell somebody or you go to someone's house and say, hey, I want your son. To me, it's your obligation until that kid sees something, uh, until you see otherwise in that kid, to do, your, do your best to make that child a man through that process. Yeah. And what I mean by that is that, that, that's just teaching them about life. Everything ain't got to be about football, but I feel like if you can reach somebody like in the off season and teaching them different things about life, those kids will go out. Prime example, all those kids that play for Larry Johnson, nobody has nothing to say, nothing bad. Now, that's just one example, and, and, and it's because we talk about it. nobody has nothing bad to say about Larry Johnson. You can go anywhere in the United States and you mention the name Larry Johnson, people's eyes get huge. Yeah. And it's because he knows how to reach everyone in the room. Even the players that's not the best, they still love him because they feel like he has done something to fulfill their life. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. So and he gets top notch. He gets top notch effort. Out of I told him I talked to him the other day. I told him I would pay to come watch him coach because his guys, <laughs> no matter if they're good or bad or potentially on their way to be being good or walk on whatever it may be, they go hard for Larry Johnson, and it's a reason why. And it's yeah. the reason why why Larry Johnson has a lot of people get drafted. Yeah. And it's because he knows how to reach them. He looks at them other than football players. Yeah. And they play their ass off on Yeah. No, there's no doubt. And, you know, Jonathan Cooper uh, got drafted by the Broncos last year and had a tremendous season. And then, you know, Tyreek Smith kind of flew under the radar and, and had a couple sacks yesterday in the Senior Bowl. So uh, the hits keep coming for him. And, uh, you know, we, we, uh, we just remember your career, Curtis, and uh, we're so lucky to get to see you play and, and enjoyed every minute of it. And uh, we'd love seeing you having success off the field, too. And, and we appreciate your time today. And uh, we, we wish you all the best moving forward, buddy, okay? Oh, yeah. Appreciate it. And then also for the players, don't pick a school off of a big name. Pick, off a, pick a school that's going to fit your style of play. Yeah. And that's where we see yeah. a lot of kids, too. They picking schools because, oh, they Bama or they Ohio State. That's cool. But they might have six running backs that's five-star that's there. Yeah, you can compete, but at the same time, that scheme might not fit your play. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's all my two cents for today. I appreciate you guys having me on here. Um, I'm going to keep on trucking along here and make a little money for the family. Absolutely. <laughs> you do that, Curtis. Be safe, man. And we'll uh, we'll talk to you again real soon, okay? I appreciate you guys. Y'all have a good one. All right, Curtis. Curtis. Have a good one, bye. All right. Wow. That yeah. was awesome. That was awesome. As you know, Curtis Grant's one of my heroes. So that was really cool for me. Uh, to get to talk to him today. And, uh, you know, this is a guy that that played, uh, was a five-star recruit coming out of high school in Virginia, uh, you know, played football at the highest level at Ohio State, won a national championship. And then he played in the NFL uh, for quite some time and played for the Giants and played for the Titans and uh, played for several teams. And now he coaches football and also, as you mentioned, has a very successful trucking company, which he's working at right now, uh, moving some stuff uh, up I-81 and, and took the time to, to talk to us. So I, I thought that was pretty cool. I, I hope you enjoyed it, James. Absolutely. You know, I, I think that's one thing a lot of people don't get is like the the, the coaching they get, and, and Curtis nailed it on the head, is, you know, it's more than just football. These coaches are teaching these guys about life. And you could see, especially with Coach Johnson, I mean, it's Larry Johnson, whose son was a top five draft pick. Yet yeah. people talk about the coach and the impact that he's had on their lives. I mean, players come and go, but the the relationship and the impact those people have help them culturally in what they do, not only inside football, but outside in their professional life. And you can definitely tell he does that for his customers and his employees on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, there's no doubt, man. He's a really, really nice guy. Uh, was a great, a great player, and and um, you know has proven that you know hard work and dedication uh, can not only you know serve you well on the football field, it also can serve you well uh, in life still, which is kind of cool to uh, uh, to find out because uh, you know <laughs> sometimes uh, you know you you work hard for something and it doesn't always pay off, but uh, you know he has proven that uh, you can still get it done if you do things the right way. And I, I love hearing that. So that was cool getting to talk to him and uh, getting to hear some, you know, some of his memories from, from recruiting and also from winning titles and playing in big time games. And, you know, that's, I wanted to talk to him about the recruiting piece because, you know, we still had uh, national signing day um, going on. And, um, you know, we, we talk about uh, these teams that, you know, are trying to get better. And uh, we talk about, you know, Bama still killing it, Georgia killing it, Ohio State obviously still killing it. But one team that, you know, wasn't really projected to be the number one uh, team with recruiting is, is Texas A&M. And they were able to uh, get Shamar Stewart, sign him up on February the 4th and, and pretty much put a big red bow on the number one recruiting class. What do you think about what Jimbo is doing down there, James? And what do you think about Shamar? 
I, well, I'm a big fan of Shamar as a whole, as you well know. Um, it, it, quite frankly, there was a statistic brought up that at every position they recruited, they got the top one of the top eight guys in the country at that position. There's a reason why this is the greatest recruiting class of all time. And anytime that's happened, when they finish number one, they win a national championship over the past 10 years. So now expectations, they've won recruiting season. Now they got to pull it off the next level and get a national championship in the next four years. Otherwise, they're going to view the Jimbo era as a failure. And that whole national championship with the nameplate with nothing on it is going to look really foolish in, in, in retrospect. Yeah, I mean, just watching this guy right here, um, this guy is a difference maker. And, and yeah, he, I know in 247, he was rated as the ninth overall player. You know what? Um, you know, I saw the number two rated overall player in Walter Nolan, who they also got at yeah. Texas A&M. But I think this guy is the one that really uh, buries the needle for me. I mean, he's six foot six, six foot seven. Uh, 285 pounds. Look at him. I mean, he looks like an NFL player out there playing with middle school kids. And, um, you know, this is a dude that can play on the outside. This is a guy that can can be, you know, pushed down inside uh, to create some pass rush on third down. Um, There's just nothing that this guy cannot do. And I think that this guy is a home run hit for for Jimbo. The The only problem with this recruiting class is, the expectations like you oh mentioned. completely that's I mean, the only problems because yeah you nailed it you got the number one class in the country you got all these great players but now you got to do something with them and you know this guy's done it before i mean people forget he won a national championship at florida state but he had Jameis winston at quarterback who is one of the best uh college football quarterbacks whether you like him or not he had one of the best college football careers at quarterback that anyone's ever had and, um, you know, I'm not sure he's got that quarterback, but he's got the lineman to get it done. Agreed. And it, honestly, if there were, uh, the comp I keep giving to Stewart is JJ, uh, is TJ or JJ Watt, JJ Watt. Yeah. I had to get the Watt brothers figured out in my head there for a second. No, I mean, he looks, he looks like JJ Watt. He, he does. He plays like JJ Watt, the NFL JJ Watt, in my opinion. Correct. Correct. I mean, heck, I go back to his days at Wisconsin the same way. I wish he was a little opened up his hips a little bit better. Um, because he's a great straight line guy. He's got a great twitch off the line of scrimmage. He sometimes gets a little high in his stance when he goes up against that. Um, potentially, I could see him being a D tackle because when you're that big already and you look at his size, he can actually add on another 20, 30 pounds, maybe even 40, and move on to the inside with Nolan. And, and I mean, can you imagine that combination of those two guys sitting between the guards? I mean, it would be lights out. I mean, he could still play there, but I don't think he he can put on much more weight on that unless they're going to go to a three four. What are your thoughts? No, I I think so. I mean, I think you could see uh, both these guys potentially starting yeah. at some point this year. I mean, yeah. Clemens yeah. is gone. Um, he he's out. Um, you know, the I'm trying to think. I, I just I could see both of them uh, starting. By the middle of the year, potentially. Uh-huh. And I think with the the biggest part about this is the, you know, the versatility that you've got with Stewart. Like I said, he can play inside, he can play outside. And I think Nolan is more of an inside guy. True, but, yes. But you could put this kid, um, you know, on the inside or the outside. And this just makes a very formidable uh, defensive line. And, you know, our, uh, our esteemed colleague, uh, our boy uh, Rico, you know, he loves uh, him some Tyree Johnson. And, you know, he had a, a tremendous season. He's coming back and uh, should be there to, to to help out with this team. And um, I, I think that this defense could be one of the best in the in the, not only the conference, but in the entire college football. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I really see that. And, and the, the, their only issue is going to be on offense. What can they do on offense? Can they get enough uh, scoring? Can they get enough points uh, to win games? Because their defense is going to hold the other team uh, pretty low on, on a consistent basis. Agreed. Agreed. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But, you know, Jimbo was pretty pissed 
that everybody's saying that he's buying uh, all these players. And uh, he, he was interviewed uh, this past week, and they asked him, you know, point blank, you know, did he buy these guys? I consider it a slap in the face or whatever when there's these thoughts out there. Very. It's because a lot of money is being spent and just your thoughts. Here's what I'm going to say, and this is point blank. This is point blank to the – because here, here's, here's my problem. There is no $30 million fund. There is no $5 million. There is no $10 million. This is garbage, okay? And it does. It pisses me off that people – and here it comes from a site called Bro Bible by a guy named Slice Bread. Then everybody runs with it. So it's written on the Internet. It's gospel. How irresponsible is that? You got – I'm going to tell you, some of that, there's some very reputable writers in college football and sports that wrote it and have said it and have done things. That's unbelievable to me. Some, I, when I first heard it, I laughed. I said, oh, yeah, what a clown. I mean, somebody – I didn't even think anything of it because I don't have social media. And it kept building, and lately I've heard more about it. To me, it's insulting to the players that we recruited that that's why they would come here. You ever been to a game here? You ever come to school here and see the education? You ever talk about the 12th man, the Aggie Network, when you're done? There ain't a better university in this country. And it's insulting to what you say. And all these – and we got writers who, who have said it and done it off sliced bread. Guy named Sly who made it up. <laughs> Last bread. Last bread. You know something, Nate, we gotta get we gotta find sliced bread and get an interview with that person because that would be the best interview in the world. I I mean it I would just like talking to him and saying, Hey Slice, what do you think about Jimbo's comments, you know, saying that your uh, article's crap? You know, I, I and, and this is funny. You're going to sit here and tell me that none of those kids got any money to come there? I mean, yeah. don't lie to my face because I know that some of these kids got money. And I know that's what, you know, part of the reason that they're coming to your school is because they got paid. So don't sit there and tell me that all these, you know, accusations are 100% false because A, it's not even illegal anymore to pay them. And two, They've come out and, and and announced it themselves, some of these players, that they got NIL deals. And that was part of the package uh, to come to AM. Well, you know what's funny is there's one person in particular who, let's be honest, just has a way of getting underneath people's skin. You may have known him for his time at Bloomington Jefferson and USC as an offensive coordinator and various other places throughout the time period. But October 29th at at Kyle Field, Ole Miss is going to play Texas A&M. And don't kid yourself, there's going to be some comments made before the game. That game's going to get personal. And as Lane Train always likes to say, you know, get your popcorn ready because that's going to be a fun game, you know. <laughs> yeah, That's going to be a very personal game for everyone. So – Whatever you got going on, cancel it. October 29th, I guarantee it's night game. I guarantee you college game day, unless something crazy happens, is going to be there. Because lock up the women and children and hide the beer, because that's one's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, and it was kind of cool. You know, he went on in that interview to talk about, you know, Lane Kip, and he doesn't, like, specifically, um, you know, say his name, but he goes, you know, a lot of the people, you know, calling us out and complaining about us, are the same guys uh, that are going out and using the transfer portal. You know, he was saying that they were uh, talking about how the transfer portal was free agency and that these schools are are just paying money to get these kids and all this. And he's like, it's the same guy that's posting pictures of himself flying around in a private jet, yeah. uh, you know, toasting champagne with these kids, uh, pulling Jackson Dart out of USC. So, I mean, everybody's doing whatever they've got to do to get these kids to sign on the dotted line. Uh, it's an arms race right now in the SEC West. There's no doubt about it. And if you're going to want to compete with Alabama, you better sign the number one class in the country because, Absolutely. by God, they've got uh, you know five stars waiting to play that have never even touched the field. So you better go out and get Shamar Stewart if you want to stop uh, the Alabama run game and if you want to compete with Bryce Young and everything that he's going to bring back to the table next season. Hey, and, you know, A&M's got to go to Bryant Denny next year. So, I mean, October 8th. I mean, October is going to be a fun month. Yes, yes, there's no doubt. And there's going to be uh, 
There's going to be a nice game in the opener, which I expect to see you at. We're all traveling up to Columbus, Ohio for the, uh, the, the college football opener as Notre Dame Fighting Irish, former Buckeye Marcus Freeman, brings uh, his team to the horseshoe uh, to play the Scarlet and Gray. So um, we're all going to meet in Columbus for that one, and I hope, uh, I hope you'll be able to join us, Mr. Bonneville. I'll do my best. All right. Well, great show today. I think it's worth noting one more time that uh, not only has McDonald left the farm in Michigan and gone to the Ravens, but their offensive coordinator, Josh Gaddis, has also run as fast away from this program as he can and is taking the offensive coordinator job at Miami. We broke the news uh, at the beginning of the show and, um, God, I just wanted to say it again because it was pretty cool uh, to have that come out while we were on the air. But great interview today uh, with uh, our boy Curtis Grant, linebacker, national champion at Ohio State, uh, and uh, pretty pretty cool breakdown of the Auburn fiasco and a nice uh, portal wrap-up. We didn't get to get into the um, uh, Senior Bowl like we wanted to, but uh, a couple minutes what uh, what did you take away from the Senior Bowl weekend, James? You know, I, I think there's a lot of players that really improved their draft stock. I mean, everybody's going to talk about the, you know, the the kid out of the DN out of Oklahoma and Winfrey. But honestly, there's some other slighter names that never got as much talk. Uh, we talked last week about Boye Mafe out of Minnesota. I mean, yeah. I, the well. athleticism just oozes off of him. He's a great player, and I think he improved his draft stock. Um Christian Watson, receiver out of North Dakota State. I mean, if you've not watched North Dakota State game, give it a look because they're a real program. And there's a reason why they keep winning one double A titles year after year after year. They can come to play. And Watson, I think, probably moved himself in that four to six range getting drafted. Really good on the outside. Uh, plus the safety we talked about last week from Baylor, which, you know, I, I mean, I'll let you talk about him, Nate, because I know how much you like him. Yeah, I mean, I would like to note that he was my pick uh, to be the guy that really stood out down there in Mobile, and uh, he got it done, man. I mean, there's there's no doubt that he was one of the best players all week long. So I will take – you know, I admit when I'm wrong, but I'll also pat myself on the back when I'm right. So I, I want to give him some credit for what he did. He played well in practice all week and, and played pretty well in the game. It was his uh, running mate. The other Baylor safety that got the interception, but uh, you know Petrie played really well all week long. And then um, I do want to give a shout out to uh, uh, the USC transfer to Tennessee, Vadis Jones. Uh, he played pretty well. There's Tyreek Smith. We just saw getting a sack. Uh, the defensive end out of Ohio State didn't have the best week in practice, uh, but got got a sack in the game. Uh, was not impressed with any of these quarterbacks, to be honest. I know Pickett went six for six. And, um, you know, did okay in the game, but, you know, he didn't blow me away. I think he will be the first quarterback taken in the draft, uh, but that's not really saying anything with the rest of these guys. And um, my final point would be I really liked – I know I'm staying in the Waco area. I'm, I must be moving in with David Koresh or something uh, because I really liked Abram <laughs> Smith, uh, the running back here that scored the touchdown. Uh, Abram Smith had a hell of a game yesterday, uh, carried the ball, 11 times uh, and and really, you know, I thought was one of the best looking running backs all week long in practice and then had 11 carries for about 50 yards yesterday in the game. So I like that guy as well. Well, hey, two more I want to throw in there too as well is Penning, the left tackle at Northern Iowa. I mean, if he solidified, he definitely solidified his first round status. This kid's got a nasty disposition and if you saw any of the practices, Tyreek Smith wasn't liking it. I mean, this is a guy who plays through the whistle and is going to drive you through the freaking core of the earth. And he is going to be a great addition to any team in the NFL at left tackle coming through. And then Lucada at Penn State. I mean, the kid was living in the backfield so much, you might as well have a mortgage. Yeah. No, he did look pretty good. And I was pretty impressed uh, with him. The defensive linemen really seemed to come to play yeah, yesterday. Yeah. And, I, you know, it's hard to block these guys when you 
you know, aren't sure of what the hell you're doing. I mean, they learned this offense, you know, in four or five days max. And so it's, it's hard sometimes on the offensive lineman, but, but I thought that the, the D linemen showed me something with their, not only their effort, but also uh, their ability to get after it yesterday. And that was London, uh, the guy from Kentucky um, getting after it, causing a fumble there. He also had a sack. So I, th I think it was a, you know, a good showing. I think some of these guys really helped their stock and I think they'll, uh, um, you know, improved some of their positioning going into the draft. So, well, all right. Well, that was a lot of information and uh, I enjoyed this show immensely. I loved getting to talk to Curtis. And uh, once again, I loved getting to talk to you, Mr. Bonneville. It was a, a tremendous time. I appreciate all your research, all your hard work, and for you showing up today and bringing your A game. Hey, the two deeps got to show up to me now. I love it. I love it. I love where your head's at. And I uh, can't wait uh, to get after it. We're going to have some more stuff, hopefully another great guest and some additional uh, breakdown information coming at you next week as well. So uh, enjoy the rest of your Sunday. This is Knoxville Nate and James Bonneville, man coverage. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in and have a good rest of your weekend.